0: Peace, family. This is 19 Keys with another electrical conversation and dialogue, giving you high-level energy. I want you all to enjoy this audio experience because this is free knowledge, but it's up to you to pay attention. This is my dialogue with one of the greatest filmmakers on the planet Earth, Lou Creative, as he interviewed me about my process, my content, and just tapping into the high-achiever mindset and the master consciousness. Enjoy. checks for going for the videos they post on Facebook going viral I can hear both it sounds good so Facebook right now is profitable but what you got to do is you have to have a Facebook page you have to get up to 10,000 likes then you start getting paid um, off your Facebook views yeah well, it's just another stream of income if, if people won't decide to do the social media game and figure out a way they can make money.
1: Dude, let's, talk about the, let's talk about the whole um, stream of income. So
0: I broke down what you do. And by the way, how you feeling? Oh, I'm feeling blessed. I'm feeling amazed. Uh, I'm excited. That's what I am. I'm excited. Um, Let me speak in the third for a second. (laughs) Um, 19 Keys is a polymath. A polymath is one who uses universal knowledge to solve specific problems. Um, And the specific problems I find is the plight of the people uh, that lack resources in order to obtain successful thinking, in order to enlighten themselves and change their lives. I consider myself a world changer. I don't think we all live in the same world. we all, Our worlds are made of our perceptions, our thoughts, our habits, our paradigms, and so what I do is I shift people's paradigms, which changes their pattern of thinking and habits, which in turn changes their world. Um, I'm a writer. I have a book coming out. Um, I am an event organizer and people organizer. I co-founded a group called The Shifters. We throw paradigm shifting events, um, when we teach um, entrepreneurism, we teach um, social impact, we teach psychology, spirituality, we teach all different things that will shift your paradigm. And not just by teaching and informing people, by doing it by example and teaching from the experiences that we have. We all have our own individual platforms, and we come together to showcase what unity looks like when you all have an agenda to work for the people that's above your individual feelings. Um, I'm also an influencer, if you will, um you know through you know instagram and you know ig uh, i mean uh youtube facebook all of those different things Everything international speaker you know um stoic uh there's many different things that a person can go by titles diminish the human being because it uh puts you into a category that is not the whole, not the whole. so dude, I, you know I, I don't like, like it
1: is, dude, i can't call myself just a filmmaker right I can't Everything that you
0: and I do, mm-hmm. that's who we are. Right. So whatever we do we should just speak of what it, what that is. Right. That's why sometimes a like filmmaker is just a, it's just a talented word. What I do. Yeah, I'm an artist as well. I mean, you know, I draw, I paint, Speaker. I, I design. You know, I have, I'm business. Product. Yeah, it's, it's marketing. I'm, a I genius marketer. So, That's why I say world changing. Under that umbrella, everything poly- works. An yeah, fits it all. You know what an artisan is?
1: An artisan is someone that just creates things with their hair. And mm-hmm. then I also consider myself an enthusiast. You know what's funny? So I keep I keep like a close look on you because I remember one time you put scientist. Mm-hmm. Because I know it's going through your head. Dude, what I do a whole bunch of shit. Right. So I'm just creating. Right. And then you know, it is what it is. So like I like again I'd like to talk about because you opened up with like, oh it's another stream of that When you go to your link tree, if you go to nineteen underscore keys, you can go to his link uh, his link tree. Um and by the way you should use bit.ly. bitly because then you can you can track all the who clicks.
0: You can do it with Linktree.
1: Oh yeah, you have the subscription. Yeah,
0: yeah. If you upgrade they, they show you all your clicks. Um
1: there you go there. So you have so much
0: How do you monetize? How do you monetize a man? There's many different ways you can monetize through social media, um, influencing or, you know, content creation. Um, One of them is before I started doing content creation, you know, I was running a business, you know, and that business was selling products more so in person. I had a store. And so um, doing that, you know, I didn't become – known through Facebook or through social media. I was a a person that did all the things that I do now, just in real life, you know. So as I was running a business and running a store, I just had the thought process that I can only get so many people in this store. But through the internet, there's limitless amount of people that I can get, depending on my marketing campaign, depending on the content that I create, and how I drive traffic there. So all of my content is connected to my product, connected to my business. And so as individuals support the content, they reciprocate in the manner of also supporting the product that's connected to the universe that is 19 Keys. Right, And then products is like? Uh, products is consultations. Right. Products is events. Products is uh, my clothing and merch. Um, products are, what else I got? I feel like I got a bunch of stuff I'm missing right now. Um, so you're, so when you, when you say
1: product and
0: merch, yeah, your crowns, um, the keys. Um, I also have shirts, hoodies, leggings, all of those different things, stickers, hats. Those are my best sellers that you just named. No. Yes, the brooches, the pins. Um, yeah, I sell a bunch of different things. And I also, on the back end, a lot of people don't know, I sometimes design other people brands for them, um, create other people logos for them and things of that nature. You're uh, an artist. How I'm 28. What's your birthday? May 4th.
1: 91? No, 90. not
0: 90. 90. ninety. I'm a '90s baby. Yeah, I'm 91.
1: June 23rd. It's funny. Millennials are crazy. I mean, so
0: we're in the look at the world we live in. Look at look at all the stuff we was thrown in the middle of. Uh, there's a uh, this era I believe is made out of the spirit of the millennial so all of the things that we're trying to understand about this era can be understood when you study the representation of the millennial so I mean that in the sense of when you try to understand the internet you can look at the model of the human brain And you can be like, oh, the internet is like thoughts. You know, Wi-Fi is like streaming thoughts. And like the telephone is like psychic or however you want to. Well, when you look at the reality of this era that we are in right now, and if you look at the millennial, all of the things that are happening are more so just a model of the human being. That's in existence now, with all of these different eras all into one. You got the '60s, the '70s, the '80s, the '90s, the '30s, the '40s, all rolled up into this one human being that we call the millennial. That's what I look at. It is. I, no, now I look at it. Like that. Yeah. That's interesting. And so that's where our world is. Look at fashion. Fashion tells a sign of where we are, and fashion right now is all the eras in one, in one collaboration, when it used to be, this is what the 70s looked like, this is what the 80s looked like, this is what the 90s looked like. But in 2019, it's sort of all, everything rolled up in one, and that's what the millennials are, kind of everything rolled up in one. Yeah, but it ain't like that no more. When I first did the crowns, people was like, "You so you go walk around with a crown on your head all the time?" <laughs> and I told them, "Yes, and I'm not taking it off."
1: Well, you stuck
0: to you, you stuck ten toes. Yeah, I took my shit off. <laughs> uh uh-uh, I stuck on it. You know what I mean? And and I was able to transform it into a business that makes six figures a year. Yeah, so great. you know, bro. thank you. And, and and so I don't look for validation. If a person says it hasn't been done, that's a really good reason to do it. You know, um, and for every problem, there's a solution, right? So if I look at the problem of our behavior in society and culture, and I look at fashion and what it represents, fashion is communication of who you are. You know, so we have gangbang culture, where they wear red and blue bandanas and black bandanas, things of that nature. Exactly. It communicates who you are, what you do, what you stand for. Where is the fashion sense that communicates that you are a righteous human being? Where is the style that communicates you have a higher mind, that you are in tune with superior knowledge and consciousness? But that's a you know, brilliant that's, that's, that's a brilliant statement. Uh, for those who don't know, he's talking about you know, the, the, the more the African garb and wardrobe. Um, but that doesn't let me know that this person is conscious. It doesn't let me know what level of consciousness that he's streaming from. It lets me know that he may be from the motherland or that he may have bought it from Africa. It doesn't give me a telltale sign of, oh, this person is conscious. It does let me know that I may be able to communicate with them on some level. So in Africa, you are right. Clothing is technology. You know, it's wearable tech that communicates. And in Africa, they have... Sometimes you can wear your hat to the side or you can wear a small dress or a different way you wear your shirt and it communicates whether a woman is single or whether she's pregnant or like something that this person is doing. So in different tribes, clothing has always been used, you know, as forms of communication. You know, um, in, in, in the, um, I believe is... What tribe. The Akan people in Africa, they wear the celestial symbols of the moon and stars on their head to represent the, the chieftain within that tribe, you know, where your your place within that tribe is. So the symbols have always been used to communicate. If I'm walking down the street and I see a person, you know, um, wearing a crown with a star and crescent on it, you know, with the universe on their head, that's communicating to me who they are and what they stand for and what they represent. Now, the great thing about the crowns is that people have many different levels of interpretations. These are some of the strongest symbols in the universe, let's say that, um, because they are celestial bodies that human beings have, since the beginning of time, looked upward and and seen as bodies of beyond self that are extraterrestrial, that's not here, that uh, have worshipped and praised in a lot of different magnitudes. So, you know, and, and we have a connection to. Um, so, the Star and Crescent, as it's breaking down, broken down, rather, you know, represents freedom, justice, and equality. And the Honorable Elijah Muhammad was the first one who um, was celebrated for wearing the crown. And he stated in The Theology of Time, a book that he wrote, was that when you see us wearing the universe um, on our head and on our lapel, it represents our rule. And he said, you know, um, the human being is the greatest being on the planet or in the universe. He said that the the, the moon can't create thoughts and produce them into reality. The sun can't create thoughts and produce them in reality. It's the human being. It's the human mind that has the ability to do that. So when you look up there and as great as you see them, you have to recognize that you are even greater because they come from you. They don't have the ability to produce you. They don't have the ability to produce, to, to, uh, to have willpower, to have a thought and it be. The sun doesn't have that ability. The human being does. So as we look at these celestial bodies, we think because of their size that it makes them of a magnitude of more important than we are. And so we think that we are smaller, but size does not, you know, compute value. No, because we're made up of everything that's in space. Exactly. You know. Oxygen. We cosmic. We
1: are. You know, it's funny, like, you know, like, there's a reason why I've been wanting you to have a, be on this uh, podcast. It's not really a podcast, it's more like a message. You know yeah. how I treat it? Like it's a message. Yeah. I think it's the way I'm gonna push this down, you know? And, and it is what it is, but it's just like, why what is your thoughts on a lot of people being cognitive biased on situations like this?
0: Um uh, people enjoy the the people enjoy their faith and their beliefs because it's the platform that sets them up for everything else that, that they stand for. Um People choose cognitive bias. It's like when you go on Google, you research things that, re, that reinforce your bias. You know, um, So that's kind of how when we go into conversations and when we sift through things and research, we're looking for that which reinforces our bias of that which we already believe. Yeah, we don't want to be proven wrong. We want to be right. It's a difference when you go into that scientific method and you know, that scholar method, because then you become a truth seeker. A truth seeker is just a person who finds the truth regardless of where it is. That becomes your religion. That becomes your basis, your foundation. Is yes, exactly. Actual facts are things that exist in real time. You know, so if I'm searching through the Bible, if I'm searching through the Quran, if I'm searching through um, some comedic science or if I'm searching through the Torah, you know, or any book, I'm looking for the truth. That's all I'm looking for. You know, I'm sifting that which makes sense to my mathematical, logical, intuitive mind. So when I take in this information, I have a supercomputer in my mind, which is my subconscious mind. And my subconscious mind refers it to my master consciousness, and the master consciousness, is able to take all of the data and tell me which one is valid and which one is invalid. And then it brings it to the forefront of my consciousness as truth. So we do that in times where, you know, sometimes we stream information and it feels like our ideas are on fire. It seems like we can say no wrong, we just have great days. That's when we tap into our master consciousness. It's tapping into all It having access to all of the data that's stored within your mind that you have ever put in here. Then it streams it to that master consciousness where it gives you all the valid or invalid. So when you speak, and you speaking directly, where it feels like you're streaming from God itself. And, and the, the question is, how come we can't stay in that state? That's the question. You have to pay rent. You got to pay rent. So when you pay rent at the house, you're paying rent to stay that, where you are. Right. To stay where you are. So many people tap into higher states. We'd be like, man, I was on fire that day. You know what I mean? Like, oh, that idea was great. That's an artificial way to pay rent. Yeah. The, the organic way to pay rent is through what? Reading, right? Mm-hmm. Through uh, the way you eat, um, through your environment, through following different laws, right? Because most of us only know about the law of attraction, right? You know, what you think, you attract, it has magnetism or repulsion based on the frequency of your thoughts, And there's there's a real properties to the law of attraction, but the law represents only one law. It's not the Constitution. The Constitution is what allows you to cultivate this master consciousness all of the time. Luck doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. Luck is just a person operating within the laws. So why is some people can seem to manifest money when other people can't? Now, when you take this law of attraction, you have to ask yourself, what are the other laws if this is a law of the universe? So there's a law of concentration, there's a law of excitement, there's a law of focus. There's many different laws that one can follow in order to pay rent. And when we tap into these master states of consciousness, and if you look at high achievers, all high achievers follow these laws. And when you learn them, you can recognize which law that they're using. And I can see this from different people as they operate. Billionaires all follow these different laws, consciously or unconscious. Sometimes our habits end up cultivating unconscious laws that we end up following that allow us to produce success. Let me ask you this. Do you know somebody that they may drink a lot, they they might not eat the best. But they always wake up and they're always vibrant and got energy somehow. Yeah. It just don't make sense. It doesn't. Like, how, how do you able to have all this energy and I'm doing all these things, I'm eating right, I'm doing all of this stuff. Uh-huh. And they also have this ability to just complete their goals. They have some crazy idea, they wake up in the morning, they're excited for it, they go to their goal, they get it done. But they're not eating right. You know, they barely probably even read books. Right. You know what I mean? And, but they somehow are able to have success. One law is one I know that they follow is the law of excitement. The law of excitement is a very important law. And this is something that I teach in a master class. When you wake up in the morning, you're not excited, you're dead. Mm -hmm. You're dead because you're not living in the present, you're living in the past. A past thought is one that requires no new thought. So when you wake up through a program and a routine, you wash your face, you brush your teeth, you go to work, you do that, you come back, blah, blah, blah. It's the same routine. That requires no new thought at all, right? So that's just a past thought. The past thought creates a past feeling, creates a current feeling, and it drives your will to produce the action of that feeling. So it, 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 it makes you just operate like a robot. But that's the past. That's why some people get caught up in trauma. And the trauma cultivates a mood. And mood is a long reaction to an emotion. So when we think about this.
1: A mood is a long reaction to an emotion.
0: Yes. Interesting. So you have to be able to cultivate your mood daily. Daily. So when you wake up in the morning, it's supposed to say you've got to win the morning. This is very, 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 very you true. You don't get on your phone?
1: No. You meditate? Sometimes. What do you, what else, what do, you do in the morning, like the first day?
0: I'm going to tell you one thing that I've been doing that's kind of extreme. Okay. Is I take a cold shower every day. I've been doing this since the beginning of the year. You know Wim Hof. You know what?
1: You know Wim Hof. Wim Hof, no. Wim Hof is the guy who, who pushes out the whole cold shower thing. So I with, think I heard
0: Tim Ferriss talk about it though.
1: Yeah, so he's probably coach like him. So yeah, this is probably. Where I talk about the whole spiral dynamics thing. He's coral. Mm-hmm. Turquoise. Yeah. Yellow. So if you go back into looking spiral dynamics, he he comes to the point where everything you practice, it's like subconsciously just you're just doing it. Yeah. So that, that's a cool You get to that point, bro. If oh yeah.
0: Oh for sure. So so let's let me let me let me end this point with the law of excitement, right? So, it works in the law of excitement. You have to work with your affirmations. You have to work with a bunch of different things that cultivate this mood when you wake up. Did you say I'm powerful? Yeah, everything has to be directed to self and it has to be present tense. So you say 19
1: keys is my... "Whoa, well, I don't even know." No, I'm the
0: greatest speaker in the world.
1: So you say I'm you the greatest
0: know. thinker in the world. I I, I don't have to say my name. I just say I. I refers to self. My whole being knows I. Can speak in third person. It, it can not be. Yeah. You know, Maybe I'm missing a point to that frequency, but I just say I. I just you know skip like it. When you,
1: like, let's just say, um, say you're in a, you fell in a tomb and there's a bunch of like, scorpions and snakes around. Scientifically, they said in order for it to calm you down, your blood pressure, you speak in third person. Luigi is doing fine. Luigi is not scared of snakes. you
0: know what I mean? I get that so I get that. In a way that's why I treat like that affirmation: So uh, to that point, it, it has to be directed to self right. and it has to be present tense. so every affirmation has to be present tense because your subconscious mind doesn't know the difference between time, so when you speak something it's thinking you're talking about the present tense so if you're saying that you know um uh, I am going to do something you know that's not the correct form of format of creating an affirmation over your life It's I'm doing it now anytime it's like when you pray, you're supposed to pray with the operation that whatever you're asking for is already coming, and it's more so an appreciation of that which is coming and an opening for that which is you going to receive.
1: Give me an
0: um, so you have to, it's intent, right? So intent matters because you, you have to match that frequency of that which you have coming already. So let's say if I'm already going into the prayer, you know, and, and it's more so kind of thanking God for the appreciation of things that are here to come already. So I'm manifesting it at the same time, but I'm also thinking in a manner that I'm not asking for something to be made for me. I'm going in there and praying for something that's coming to me already. It's already on its way. You know what I mean? I'm just thank God for this meal that I'm about to eat. This meal is already here. Thank God for this check that's coming, man. This is amazing. You understand me? Like not saying that this is this is this is you know this is a, a much different way that you pray. It's, it, intent matters when you put those things into the universe. You are making them being delivered for you and you're tapping into things that are already on their way to you. You know, and you're creating them at that same time. So in the law of observation and synchronicity, each individual consciousness is different, right? So in physics, they say that the observer has the ability to affect reality based on their observation. But each observer has different levels of consciousness. So that means that which they observe will be different and that effect that they have on reality will be different. That's why if you have a large amount of energy and a higher consciousness, you're going to notice and observe different things than other people don't. It's just like if you're an FBI agent and you walk into a room, you're going to observe a bunch of different things the average person don't see. Because that's where your, your observatory powers are. But it says this, at the same time that which you observe, you create. So if a person is walking around looking for the number 444 all of the time, they're creating that observation. At the same time, because it's a pre-programmed thought that you're creating for the purpose of observation. If we both closed our eyes, the question is this, and this is something that they ask in science, when we talk about the the, the, the matrix or everything is an illusion, if we closed our eyes, does the room still exist? If we closed our eyes, is there still color in this room? If nobody sees it, is there color? No. Because we, we manufacture color. We manufacture the spectrum of 3D observation. Everything that we take in is electrical signals that are sent to the back of the brain here, which is what we experience life as, through our perceptions, right? So it's through our interpretation of our observations that we create reality through our brain. So you know, and that's, that's, that's neither here nor there, but I want to close off with this law of excitement. Um, When you wake up in the morning, you have to cultivate a mood of excitement. Like, you have to be excited for the day. What this does is it allows you to transform free energy within the air, right? Because there's always energy in the air molecules. You look at a windmill, it's just tapping into the air that's already there. You know, we have this ability as human beings when we're excited about things, we have the ability to transform free energy in the air, to convert it into energy that's necessary in order to achieve our goals that we are excited about. So it's not even dependent upon our body structures, it's just us converting energy all the time. That's why these excited people have this ability to just have energy that doesn't make sense. They have what you call, I believe, motility. motility. Motility is what the sperm uses. The sperm doesn't have an organism that pushes it and makes it move. It has motility, not mobility. Mobility requires something else to boost it. But a sperm has motility, right? Free energy in order to produce life. So if I think of thoughts like sperms going to the egg to work through that process to be birthed after this pain of work and labor. So when you have the initial thought and you're excited, you get that little sperm moving. You understand me? And as that sperm moves, it gets the necessary energy in order to go through that long journey it goes through that we don't, we don't see, but it's over 300, competing with over 300 million. Yeah. And we have over 100,000 thoughts per day. But the one that is competed that get to the forefront of your mind that you consider to be a great idea, it competed with all those other invalid thoughts to get here in the first place. So you have to be excited, and you see those people always talking about their goals and dreams. They always tell me, I'm about to do this, I'm about to do that, oh, this is gonna be crazy when I do this. They're constantly giving themselves the necessary energy to go complete that goal. So when you wake up in the morning, the first thing I do before I get out the bed, before I touch a phone, before I meditate, before I take a cold shower, brush teeth with my opposite hand, any of those different things, I smile. Okay. I smile. I smile. I force it if I gotta force it. Like, ah, I'm happy. It's about to be an amazing day. You know what I mean? Like that energy all of a sudden boosts me up. You understand me? Your, your neurotransmitter, all of the the, the the stuff is releasing in the chemicals, your body. All of a sudden I'm excited and my energy has just raised to the level of, of necessary in order for me to obtain that goal that I'm excited about. But here's the difference. You have to have a vision. You can't be excited about nothing. So what are you excited about, Right. So here's the difference between the people that operate operating in the past and the people that operate in the present for a vision in the future. A vision requires new thought, mm-hmm. right? So if I have a goal of something that I haven't done before, like my brother Billionaire puts up murals around the city and he wakes up very excited to put up these murals every single day and he says that I'm going to talk to somebody that's going to give me their wall that's going to allow me to put this mirror and I'm going to talk to this artist that's going to say yes for this mural but he's going to them with this cultivation of excitement and he's always talking to everybody around him about these ideas and they end up being manufactured and produced and we'd be like damn that boy got crazy energy it didn't make sense but the vision is the vision produces a feeling as well so the vision produces a feeling that's attached to a particular frequency, right? Because that's all our, our, our thoughts are, frequencies. You know, they're the electrical frequencies that's vibrating. That's why they can measure them with these machines, these EMG machines. Um, so when you have that vision, that vision produces a frequency. So when you wake up and you're excited about that vision that you have, it produces that frequency of the vision. So you're living within that vision already. You're already experiencing it. What it does is human beings are driven by feelings, not logic and reason. So when we produce that feeling, it cultivates our drive and our will. So what we end up doing is we end up producing those thoughts necessary to, in order to produce that vision. So which means that we have to create new patterns of thinking. When we think about something we never thought about, That orgasmic process that we feel so great, like, wow, that was an aha moment. Usually when I'm high. Yeah. Well, hey, I don't smoke, but hey, I get what you mean. I used to. Sativa. Hey. So when we we have those thoughts, we feel great because it's something new. It's a new connection that's just been created in our brain. But every single day you wake up with a vision and a goal of something you didn't do before, it means you have to have new thoughts. And then it, those new thoughts means that you're cultivating new habits, which means you're becoming a new person daily. You're becoming more, you're evolving, because you're doing something you've never done before. And this excites you. It's like when we were younger, we went on field trips, and it felt like we couldn't sleep the night before. We were excited, because we about to go do something we never done before. We imagined all of the fun. And this gives us a necessary engine. We wake up in the morning. We barely got sleep the last night before, but we got all of the energy in the world to get there. I'm happy right now. That's what I'm saying. So you have to cultivate the law of excitement, which releases that free energy. I mean, that's, that's
1: hard because you have to maintain
0: that shit. It's just intentful, but you have to have something you're excited for. If a person got a money goal, that's not enough. The money, the money is just okay. Some some dollars, some paper fiat. What are you gonna do with the money? Is what's gonna excite you?
1: What did billionaire say yesterday? Do you remember what he said about all that
0: money? What do you say? Money is 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 just is is just soldiers that you use for war. You know what I'm talking about? Money is like uh. Uh, is 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 I always say money is just something you use to buy what you want. Bro, he
1: literally said, hmm, I don't even know what to do with any any of this money anymore. Remember when he said that? Oh yeah. At that point, I looked at it and it was just like, that should look boring as hell being rich. Yeah.
0: You know what I mean? Well, because you, you you're funding your ideas, and once you get to that point where there's no excitement on the journey, then you don't know what to do next, so you start. Finding different things that excite you so it cultivates your will and your drive to do something else. And that's why millionaires and billionaires give themselves these big goals and things that for them to obtain because those are the things that excite them.
1: Right. I want to switch something up on you. All
0: right.
1: So yesterday you talked about um, something divine, having a woman mm-hmm. to help, I don't know, to help you or it, it brings you a lot farther. Yeah. So when, when an entrepreneur like you and myself and anybody else, you have lone wolves. Lone wolves are not hermits. Hermits are ones that don't have relationships with nobody. Lone wolves mm-hmm. are people, men that, that create relationships. How often do you think, damn, am I ever gonna get married? Mm-hmm. Or when's the, when and how do you think of cultivating a woman for yourself?
0: That question is answered through the method of the master consciousness as well. The moment you decide it and you're excited about it, it starts to be. The moment you pray for it as if it's already coming, it's on its way. An illusion is just a manifestation waiting to be produced into reality. You know, for me, there's no everything is an illusion in that sense. You know, the color of your skin is an illusion manufactured through my mind in order for me to be able to measure you. You know, all of these different things are illusions produced by different frequencies of feelings that our mind has given us to say that, oh, this is reality. This cup feels like this, even though my hand is not even touching these atoms that are within this cup. But it produces an illusion, yes, based on the information. So we can produce that same thing. If I decide that, you know what, I'm probably, I'm, I'm, all right, so most likely, nope. you can't even say most likely. You can't so with the if or anything. It has to be a definite. I get married December 19th, 2019.
1: That's, okay, so you're
0: saying you're going to do that. No, if I want that to be, that's what will come. <laughs> if I say it with that, that, that level of confidence yeah. and there's no uncertainty about it, everything lines up. Everything in the universe starts to line up and conspire with me. As I conspire, all of my habits, my conversations, my thoughts, my synchronicities, all of it starts to align in order to make that be. Uh, I was always taught that a prophet, prophets are true because people work to make sure that their predictions come into reality, right? So if I'm predicting something for thousands of years, it is the human collective that is actually bringing that prediction to be produced into reality because they're programmed by the thought of that prediction. When
1: you say collective, that's multiple
0: people. Yeah, it's, it's much more than multiple people. It's, it's a whole thought form. But if I decide that I want to get married, then you know I'll be, I'll be getting married the day I decide it. It's, it's all about the things that we decide to do, you know. You can decide to be rich, right? But you have to, it, it, it has to be real. You have to believe it. Right. You can decide it, and I, I say it in this manner because there's a cultivation of habits of things that you can do daily that will ensure that you have money coming to you every single day. And then the accumulation of that money will eventually compile to riches. So that's why people always say assets and liabilities. If everything that you do every single day and the one thing that you focus on, that comes into the law of focus, is that you have to 100% focus on only what's specifically important.
1: What is it important for a young male? You know how I talked to you yesterday about, like, dude, we cannot talk to anybody our age. Because they, if I gave you information and you mm-hmm. looked at me and you, you might have think, like, oh, man, I, might be, I think I already know. You're ready. Right. You already stopped yourself from wanting any information. So for someone it's like college students and anyone younger, What is what in your mind now that you've cultivated and that you've built? And you've built a really great brand, bro. Thank you. Um, what is a young male? How should a young male operate today?
0: Great question. You have to learn a system of management. In business terms, management means to one who, uh, to administer the activities of organization to get to set obligations and goals. We are all an organization. When you find out what the principles of manhood are, how will you manage yourself in order to become a man? So if we say that one of the principles is becoming a protector, provider, producer. okay? when you're younger, someone else protects you. It's your mother, your father. And in a society, we consider it to be the police right as you get older you decide you have to figure out how can you be the one that manages your own protection not just protection in the physical sense spiritual physical psychological whatever it is so as you get older some individuals learn how to fight right you know um, some learn how to have discipline and mental fortitude you know but what it does is when you learn how to manage your own protection it gives you that confidence so where it'd be like, okay, I'm going to do these things and make sure that I'm always protected. You understand me? And then once you have that confidence that you can protect self, what it does is it enhances your ability to protect others. Because a lot of men don't feel as if they're protected and feel like they can protect themselves, which is why they don't protect women and children. Because they haven't managed that ability to do it. So instead, they need to call somebody in order for them to feel safe. So what they end up doing, a lot of men end up grabbing a gun or getting some other form of things that they think are going to protect them. And, and maybe that's their system of management. This is how I'm going to manage my protection, right? So women love men that they feel protected by. Okay. I used to be a security guard. Women loved me as a security guard, okay? okay. It, was, it was amazing, women of all calibers. You know what I mean? It could be lawyers. It could be, it was just something about the magnetism of being a security guard that they was just attracted to, but it was the feeling of being protected. When, when you can give a woman that feeling of protection, she feels safe around you in a world where women don't feel protected. So she is attracted to that because of that feeling that it cultivates within her. But a lot of men don't know how to protect themselves so they don't leave women with that feeling. So although a lot of women may like a man that is in touch with his more feminine side and sensitive, but if he, don't, if, if, if he doesn't give her that feeling of protection, then she will find some other way to manage that for herself. So young boys have to learn this system of how do I administer my activities to get to that goal of how do I be a protector? So once you figure that out, then you can move on to, OK, maybe you, uh, let's figure out how I can be a producer. Right? Someone who produces for the family, produces for self. So when you're younger, let's go back again. Your caretakers, your parents, things of that nature, they are producing for you. They're the ones who are providing your, your toys, and your school lunches, and all of those different things. They are managing in order to get you those things. right? So as you become adult, you take on jobs, or you create businesses, you learn different skill development, so you can start producing for yourself. Now you are managing those activities for yourself right in order to become a producer once you have the ability to produce for self you can then in turn that and produce for a family you can produce for someone else so when a woman sees someone who is a great producer she says oh he can produce for me as well so therefore that attracts her to him as well same thing producer provider all of these different tenants you have and then you have to realize okay yes i'm a great producer which makes me a man cuz I'm at that man age because I can manage myself to do that but maybe I'm a boy at protecting meaning that I'm a great producer but I'm not a great protector which means you are still a boy you're not at that man age until you're able to manage that right so we have to know this auditing system of thought okay I'm terrible with finances I'm not a man at that yet because no, I you can't manage
1: write that
0: down, do you suggest you it down in the way that you do it well, well i got a book that's coming <laughs> and you can read that um, soon I'm not going to drop the date right now but um, definitely you can, you, can, you can write it down It's just a system of audit or you can always just have it in your mind like yo am I really managing this the best way and there's lower management and higher management some people manage to do it at an okay level some people manage to do it at a very great level that's why you have people who make six figures and people who make billions of dollars so
1: who should people be watching now? Like, like who you trust in this
0: space. For specific, give me specifics. Cause I don't. Th- you know what I
1: look, so the whole point of why I say this is because when I grew up, um, I never had like that older brother. And uh-huh. I never had that father. My father, my stepfather, had taught me this, right? More in action and not in vocally. So I consider myself a wanderer, like in the world, and I learned everything. I was very Okay. Anxious. So in my in my kind of purpose in life in order to push humanity and young men forward is my goal is to bring people like yourself Keith and get information like as if you were their father, mm-hmm. as if you were their their, their guidance counselor, their, their coach. You always Did you always talk with your coach? Hey, what up coach? Like, I always did. Right. I always looked to like, a, like, a, like an older dude. Because he was I'm, teaching you how
0: to manage yourself.
1: Okay, right. So it's just like that's
0: the point. Oh, every young boy should learn how to pattern themselves off someone, right? Another man. Nipsey. Yeah, Nipsey was a a great example of someone who managed himself very well. He managed to keep himself independent. He managed to keep all his masters. He managed to um uh, um take all his. He managed to work with family. He managed to start a family. He managed to rise above the conditions that he grew up in in the hood. He managed to come back and get back to the hood. He managed to know when the right time went to create his first album. He managed all of these things like a man would. He managed to make his woman feel safe. He managed to make his family, you know, um, understand who he was so that even in his death that they were able to boost him up into a sense of immortality. He was managing himself correctly and in this becoming and evolving as he was alive. He was managed to... Take visions, write them down, and then produce them. Because one thing of manhood is you have to have willpower, right? So you have willpower, and that's connected to testosterone. So when a man is in balance of his nature, when he has a thought, he will produce the drive so that he he has the will to be able to take that thought and have it in reality. So technically stop masturbating. Yeah, that can kill your willpower. Exactly. It can kill your willpower. Mm -hmm. It can kill your drive. So, same thing with weed. Weed kills willpower. Really? Yeah, because weed, during the times of smoking, doing research uh, through Dr. Wesley and some other scientists, it founds that it lowers your testosterone, and in women, it actually um, raises your testosterone. Because what it does is it creates a a blocking of yeah, yeah, all of that, perico- that, all that good stuff. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mess with nicotine, for sure. <laughs> we know what that does. You know what I mean? So, you know, same thing with liquor does that during a shorter period of time. Uh, all of these different things that are not assets to us. So I don't tell people to quit smoking. I just give you the, 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 the facts. I ask you this. If you haven't reached your goals in life, right, you have something that you want to produce with your will. And you have things that are robbing you of having great willpower. If you said today I want to quit smoking, you couldn't do it because you don't control yourself, which means you don't have correct discipline nor willpower. You can't produce that thought. So you have to ask yourself, what is that thought that's controlling me if I don't control myself? If I try to program myself with a thought but I can't fully go through with that, I procrastinate because my will is not strong enough. Then that means you don't have control over self. So you can't tell me you have a goal and you're not willing to give up those things in order to achieve that goal. Sacrifice is a currency to buy the life that the life that you want. So what are you willing to give up in order to get what you want? Sacrifice is a currency to buy the life you want. What are you willing to give up in order to get what you want? Are you willing to give up your distractions for your attractions? Distractions are things that's derailing you and taking you away. Attractions are things that will bring in forth things that will add value in order for you to attain that goal. We are in different acts in our life. We are being distracted or we're being detracted. Or we are subtracting. Or we are adding traction. So what, what act are you in your life? Are you, are you adding traction right now? Are you attracting things? Or are you subtracting and being distracted? Are you on, on track? Which act are you on? So you got to create that pack. <laughs> I'm talking about with self. That's
1: a real shit. You just uh, I got the chills. That's a real shit.
0: It's like half and half. I really need to stop That's the show. Yeah, I mean, you know, you do it for yourself. Just do it. Do it. I'm, I'm going to tell everybody this. Do a challenge to see how much control you have over yourself at least. Because if the th- if you can't stop those things, sugar, liquor, weed, porn, um, uh, you know, all of those different things that are escapisms. Yeah. Social media. Yeah. Sure. Social media if you can't stop those things, they control you. Yeah. So what would be, do, do this, make a list of all your distractions and make a list of all your attractions. When I By attractions, I mean things that will be added to your goal. Right? And things that are taken away from your goals. And by things that are taken away from your goals, I mean they're not adding any value at all. You know what I mean? So if you, you, you got all of that list of things that you do, audit your day, and then get rid of all of those, right? And then replace them with the attractions and see how those habits change your life.
1: So this is how you, you guys should do it.
0: So you can write that down for yeah. sure. You
1: do a 90-day thing, and you write everything that you do in one day. You can, go, you guys can read the song, Sean Wayland's book, what this is how to make shit happen. You write everything down like he just said, and in those 90 days, you start cutting off fat. And every... Every time you find something that you don't like to do that doesn't make you happy or what makes you happy, you just keep cutting off and you keep adding on, and that's how you just live a happy life. But the whole point of this is discipline and just fucking maintaining that shit, and that's not right. the hardest part. You can't have to maintain happiness. That's fact.
0: Right? Yeah, you gotta pay rent.
1: You can't. You can't just be
0: happy. You gotta pay rent. Well, well Let me. Let me yeah, let me, let me. Let me. Let me. Let me pull back on that one. I believe you. You do just be happy. You just be happy. Happiness is interesting. You know, people always talk about the pursuit of happiness. I don't think you pursue happiness. I think you just be happy while you're in pursuit of whatever else you're doing. Right. Happiness is something that's cultivated within. It's a balance within itself. Right now, I'm happy as hell. You know what I mean? I'm not t- it's the difference between being happy and excited. So I'm happy without the excitement right now. I'm just happy. I'm good. You know what I mean, so I don't have to pursue any happiness, but there are levels to the feeling of what people consider to be happy, because when sometimes people there's a difference between like being joyful and being happy, you understand me? Or, or feeling loved and being happy. So people take the feelings and then they attribute the happiness because of what they're feeling. So if a person is excited right now and you ask them if they're happy, they go say, "Yeah. If a person is in love right now and they're like, "Yeah, I'm happy. If a person is joyful. So you're talking about this feeling being on the upside that's more positive. Right. So po- happiness can be considered just to be a positive feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know I mean, so a person that's positive is always happy. You understand me? not needy person. You know that. No one needs anything. Well, no.
1: It comes to a point where science would really, really get into it. Like, and, um, so I get this from uh,
0: T.J. Reeves. He's a neuroscientist. Yeah. Is. Bro, he wrote a fucking book of Mm. That describes
1: humans. I think it's fucking, it's crazy as fuck, bro. I'd love to connect you with him. He wrote The Book of Life. And basically, he had had a diagram of an upward spiral and a downward spiral. Basically, if you're non-needy, that's
0: an upward spiral. Mm. Neediness, it's a downward spiral. Mm -hmm.
1: Like, I have to show you this fucking book, bro.
0: I'm, I'm interested to see it.
1: And that's what got me to the whole Spiral Dynamics. Imagine it's just adding skill sets into your to yourself.
0: What if you can just decide it?
1: Decide what?
0: Happiness, right? It's a decision. It
1: is a choice.
0: I believe it's a complete decision.
1: Because the moment you wake up and be like, dude, I'm going to take my anger out on someone who's happy. I think that's what happened.
0: What happened. Well, people want others to feel like them. Fuck like that. Yeah, I don't want to feel like, if, if, if I'm happy, I'm good. Like, my, me and my brother used to go back and forth about this all the time. No, but my brother Yusuf. Because um, he, he, don't, he don't really believe in happiness, <laughs> in a sense. It, he finds it like, I think he attributes it, and this, this, he's he probably going to cut me up for this. But this, he attributes it to, like, a weakness almost. Like, because it's this state of ecstatic that's impossible to maintain. So he thinks that people need some time to have that unhappiness to push them, or I don't know. It's just a uh, instead of happy, he just believes in more. So just being like, mm, just like there's just there's no state. There's just calm, calmness. There's just balance because because of the the fluctuation of feeling happy and unhappy. Instead, if you're just calm and you're just like you say that in that middle, then it, you don't. You know what I mean that excitement is is meant to jump up and down so he doesn't really believe in happiness, so for me, I tell him I don't have to try this, I just wake up and I just live and I'm just happy while I live um and I follow those rules and things that cultivate that continuously move every single day, so you know, I decided to be happy so I'm happy, you know what I mean uh, I decide to feel good so I feel good, even when things even if you're going through something terrible, you can still be happy. You're just reacting. You're a happy person that's reacting to something, you know, that's making you feel a certain way about that situation. You know, it, but the problem is is that people take those moods and those emotions and that trauma that they go through and it becomes their mood for their life. It becomes their long-term reaction and they never get over that trauma. And then that's why they don't feel happy anymore because they 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 they're, stuck in the past of this trauma. Like I said, you gotta have a vision for the future. You know, you have to move you you, you have to you have to live in the present. The, the when you are stuck in the past, you're not you, you you're thinking about things that you can't control. So you're having a constant reaction to that to that state. And it puts your body in the past. Like when you when you do that and you if you think about when you was a child and you was happy your body from your thoughts, produces that experience. it produces that chemical reaction, so your body is literally in the past as well. So your mind and body is there. So you're stuck there in the past just feeling unhappy and crappy. But when you become present, that's why they tell you to meditate, right? Meditation is very important because meditation, what it does is it allows you to be present. So let's say in meditation they tell you to
1: What does it teach you? In meditation?
0: Take a deep breath. Um, to observe your thoughts, for one, your ability to be able to observe your thoughts is very important. Um, you know, you are able to feel the air around you. You're not resisting anything. You're more like a you like a leaf in the flow, mm-hmm. and everything you're supposed to flow with, and you, you give no resistance to everything that's going on around you, so that there's no friction that's being provided. What I so, I do let, let me let me let me let me finish this gathered thought. So, what I do is. I'm present as hell right now. I can feel the air on my skin. I can feel how I'm breathing. I can feel how the, uh, what I'm hearing right now. I'm not stuck in a thought. I'm just right here in the present, very present, which means it doesn't even allow me room to be stuck in the past for some unhappy thing that happened. Nothing bad is happening right now, so how can I be unhappy? But if I'm in the present and I'm living in this moment, then I'm only here in this moment and not reacting to this moment, which allows me to be happy, to be cool. You understand me? But imagine this. If I'm not here and I'm not present and I'm thinking about the future and I'm stressed about something, will I make it to this appointment? Will I do this? It don't allow me to be present, so now I'm stressed. You understand me? But only the present is where you find your happiness. That's real shit.
1: And I tell that to a lot of people. I mean, of course, I try to do that shit with myself, too. At the end of the day, bro, you know what I hate? It's like this morning, bro, my folks. So I parked the car real close. I'm a great driver. Okay. the car. I'm like, how do you know I scratched the rims? So, it's just like, you parked close to the curb, but how do you know that I scratched the car? Right. So I'm just like, and then now my pops and he comes at me, you scratched the car. How do you know I scratched the car? You parked close to the curb. If I scratched the front, they only took a picture of the front of the wheel, but they didn't take a picture of the back. So if I scratch the front, I must have scratched the back. We did need to take a picture of the back. You just saw how close the front was. Right.
0: It was looking for problems.
1: Exactly. That shit is annoying. <clears throat> and it comes to the point where it's just like I, I feel bad for human beings that I'm close to. Because I, I took I took the effort to do more. But they took the effort to raise me. And it's a, it's a very interesting thought. And it comes to the point where it's just like um, if I had scratched the car would you ask me if I did first and then I would admit that I did or did not? Right. No, you just assume that I stressed the
0: conflict. Right. I
1: mean, as a very observant person and very word-driven, you know, you just hear those things out of people's mouth and it kind of this
0: Right. And, and it's, it, it communicates a lack of trust. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, if you ask a person something and they communicate to you, you know, that they did it or didn't do it, then... You, you would have the ability to just trust their word because you think this is a good person. So it goes into the deeper set of thought that, damn, you don't trust me, which means you must think I'm a liar. If you think I'm a liar, you must not think I'm a good person, which means you don't think I have morals and values, which means you don't think that that my intelligence or my character is ruled by ethics. All of those thoughts are within that attention of that question that they ask you, and it puts you on the defensive because now you're defending your character as a human being. And so that's why that's not the best way to go about it, and that's why you don't, it's like if you lose your keys and you asking somebody, yo, did you see my keys? Then you ask them twice like they lied the first time. Like, nah, if I communicated to you the first time that I said no and I don't have them, then you should have trusted me, right? Yeah. But if you know this person, right, because you can know this person and you can be like, well, remember the last time I asked them once and they said no, but then the second time I asked them, they checked their pockets and they ended up having it. <laughs> So sometimes it's based off you knowing that person's reputation and that person's brand, right? Your character is your brand. It's not what you say about yourself. It's what others say about you. So when you you look at the brand of this person and say, sometimes I have to make sure because this brand is not the most trusted brand. Their character is not the most trusted brand. So let me ask them twice when I'm dealing with this brand. Some other things for this brand, they do good. Like some brands may make a great quality product. But they might be terrible at shipping. They might be great at shipping, but their customer service might suck when you communicate on the line. So you may trust one thing about the brand, but when it comes to other things you're dealing with, you don't trust it. You know what I mean? Like I might trust, let's say you got a homie. He might not steal from you, but he might flirt with your girl. You understand me? So you may be able to leave your wallet around him, but you can't leave your girl around him. You understand me? So it's a different it's, it's different brand trust. <laughs> dude, dude, dude um, so
1: this is being recorded, so anyway. Dude, I think would be interesting is because I don't think you've talked about the whole Nipsey situation. I think this would be like a, mm. an opportunity for you to speak about that. that happened. It's not going
0: to be anything, if you don't mind. <laughs> I'm interested. Um, Nipsey also is somebody that I've been following for a long time. Um, I, It's funny enough before the incident occurred, two weeks, well, maybe like three, four days prior, um, three, about, about three, four days, um, we did a podcast. And in the podcast, we talked about what were the top conscious rappers in the industry. Um well we, this is what I'm about to get to. So we went through different regions. So in Atlanta, we asked if it was like uh, T.I., Killer Mike, or David Banner. I forgot what the people said. Um, no. Charles Gambino can't win. I'm going to tell you why, because it's not just the base, the bond. The music is about their actions, so it's about the things that you actually do that's aligned with your brand, right? So when we went to the West Coast, we asked, is it Snoop? We asked, is it Kendrick? Or we asked, is it Nipsey? So we was only given three options for people to choose. So I laid out the foundation of why I put Snoop in there first, because Snoop has done a lot of good in the community and done a lot of good when it comes to you know, reforming a lot of stuff and gang activities and giving gang to the younger people. And just Snoop is a good person in, in a lot of the works that he does. And then Kendrick has the brand of conscious rapper in a sense because of the sort of content that he puts into the production of his music is on the side of more of the positive scale that influences us to have better thoughts. Nipsey is more on the activist of his brand and meaning that not only is his music inspirational, but his real life is inspirational in the things that he developed within his community and his business development and his do for self efforts and his example of what it means to be an independent artist to own your own masters in the production of his character. His actions is what made him, and that's, that's what I told the crowd, is that to me he was the most conscious rapper of the West Coast, not because of just his music, but because of his actions. And they both have to be aligned. Right. And so like, you know, a couple of days later, you know, he was killed. And I was it was a podcast with me and my younger brother Bashir. I didn't even notice that yeah. did you post that on your Instagram? It's a, it was on my YouTube. So this is like an hour long. Did you put did you put Oh let me get to that. You know how you create a part. So if you could take so this is what I learned from comedian uh Andrew Solz. They mm-hmm. take like 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 what we do in this podcast, mm-hmm. they take they
1: take they take the hour, but they'll they'll cut it up from two to four minutes. Really yeah, don't care about long for content. content to short form. Definitely doesn't matter with the whole Instagram shit. But what you can do is if you've been using your IGTV lately,
0: mm-hmm. just take
1: the IGTV. IGTV be popping. And then it just previews right, right
0: straight. Yeah, right I, I, I think I I downloaded it from YouTube, converted it into the MP4. I just haven't shrunk that particular piece and put it up yet. What are you using? For? Like cutting your shit up. Um, I, I use apps on my phone. I'm just a master at it that That's what
1: I'm saying. People fucking look at me, bro, and they're like, bro, can you edit this for me? Yeah, no. And I can fucking come to someone
0: like you, and be like, show me how to do it. Yeah. I had, I had a girl ask me that, and she got mad at me because I said, no. I told her how to do it, though, but she got really mad at me. Okay. Um, and, you know, she asked me, yo, she was on uh, some content with me, and she said, can you edit a piece for me like you did for yourself? And I said, no, you know. Uh, We're not cool like that, you know what I mean, but – I, I wrote her exactly how to do it, which app to use, and how to get it done. So I, I, it wasn't that I was just trying to, you know, shade or anything of that nature. I, but I, I took the time out to give her the information necessary to achieve the goal that she wanted to do. So yeah, but you know, I think that you know, in, in, in communication, a person took it the wrong way. Anyway, um, you know, I use the apps on my phone. I've been doing it for for like some years now. I use InShot. I use VideoShop. Those are two that I use, but I use Superimpose. I use a bunch of different ones in conjunction. Like, if one doesn't have one tool then the other has, then I might edit here, then put it in this app, and then I might use a tool on this to get the final production, you know. And so, for me, I can edit pretty fast because I know what I'm looking for, for one, and I know what I'm doing because I've been doing it for a while. So, I've taught a lot of the homies and people how to, you know, edit their own content. Hey man, you know you gotta be innovative, man. That's
1: what I'm saying. You are. I'm not just a filmmaker, bro. Yeah. It's just the fucking thing that I just took and learned. Yeah.
0: About. But you are the greatest filmmaker in the world, though. I'm the greatest
1: creative.
0: There you go. We're the greatest
1: fucking guy in the world, though. Yeah, so,
0: so. So let's get back to the Nipsey. Who is it? East Coast? Though. Oh, East Coast is Jay Z. Easy. For sure. Easy. It wasn't no competition. You're right. So Jay zs done a lot. Um. Uh, so Nipsey Hussle is more than a a rapper, more than the music, more than an artist, uh, more than a businessman, more than um, a, a man, more than a father, you know, more than a brother. He is a symbol. He is a representation. He is an example. He is an aspirational goal. You know, he is a product above his environment, and. When we look at Nipsey Hussle, what this is going to do, because I like to frame things in the context of uh, decoding. And when we look at what this is doing for our culture today, is it's having everybody take an audit of their legacy and all of the actions that they thought that they once knew that was going to secure them a legacy and make them a good person. Because of his send off, being so legendary the way that it was, because of the magnitude of love that he had, Because of the parades and the appreciation and the memorial and the Farakinds and Obama and the Jay-Zs and Beyonce's and, you know, uh, the Stevie Wonder's that showed up to his, you know, uh, funeral. This changed and raised the bar for legacy. It raised the bar for legacy. And a lot of people is like, oh, I can just do this, that, and the third, keep doing what I'm doing, and that's what's going to make me a legend. But being a rapper is no longer a criteria for legendary. So what we do is we see Nipsey at 33, Tupac was at 25, right? Maybe if Tupac lived longer, he could have became a Nipsey, right? But Tupac didn't get to see the production of all his thoughts into fruition. But we knew that he had the potential to possibly be able to do some great things. Nipsey didn't get to see all the production of all his thoughts, but we've seen him actively work and produce those thoughts. So they weren't in just the land of imagination and want, they were producing the actions while he was coming up. So he had investments, he taught technology, he taught business, he taught community development, he taught, um, yeah, asset liability, unity and peace and family business, all of those different things were amazing and that's what we always wanted our rappers to do and he showcased an example. What I believe he did is he took all of the problems that we had, you know, we, we, we eat bad, we got gang violence, We uh. he looked at rappers are always telling their masters and they always had the problems or they managed by somebody wrong or all these different things and he said, you know what, I think I'm just going to be an example of the solution to all of those different things. I'm just I'm going to put it in my work and then show the people instead of coming out and talking about it all the time. I'm just going to show them an example of what that looks like. I will become the example of all the solutions from all the things that we complained about. That become legendary. And that's how you become a legendary. And, and, and look how he made people feel. He said, you know, he wanted to have inspiration and solutions. And that's what he did. That's his equation. Yeah, inspiration and solutions. Inspire and give solutions actively that you're participating in, not just through words and comments and content. The content is your life. We just document the content that we create through our lives. Here's the reality of today. There's individuals, there's, there's Nipseys in all of us. There's Nipseys that exist. Because he represented so much, his name now represents a symbol represents an aspiration. It represents that part of it we're supposed to cultivate in order to add to the collective good. There's people that's already been doing work like Nipsey. From the knowledge that he's streamed from, his individuals has been cultivating and doing this work. They don't have to change nothing of what they're doing. They just have to continue to do what they're doing and be successful at it even more. And they're going to develop that same sort of love, appreciation, and quality of life that Nipsey was able to leave us with. Yeah, that as well. But see, Nipsey had pieces of all of these different communities in himself. He had the tech world. He had the conscious community. He had the health. He had the business, the entertainment, the family, the, uh, the, 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 the streets. You understand me? The intelligence. So what it does is all of those things that people admired him for, those are all of the same things that people will admire you for once you produce that within yourself.
1: It was funny you said, huh? So that's kind of the same thing with his prolific. Do you know prolific? Break it down. Yeah, I, look, I looked it up but it was the most beautiful thing. It's just some something that gains the
0: fruits. Mm. When I when I read fruits I was just like that is fucking beautiful. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. It's just gaining of fruits. And a, I want
1: to be, be more correct. I want to shit but When I looked that shit up my god. You know bro so I was on the, I was on the internet and what happened was Eric Holder
0: or Holden or whatever the motherfucker name is, he, he said that the government offered him $75,000. You know, I must say this about, uh, you know, my brother Red Peel said something I thought was, yeah. was, was profound. He said there's only one truth, but we hear a thousand conspiracies, yeah. but they're not all lining up. They have to paint the picture of one truth. There's only one thing that actually happened so out of all of the different conspiracies we have to be able to come down to one fundamental truth you can't be over here saying this this person saying this these two don't line up another two people saying this they saying that these four don't line up another two people saying this these six don't line up and we have about a hundred different people doing this but they're not lining up to paint a picture of what this one truth is the reality is when you do the kind of work that I do, you do the type of work that Nipsey does to do the type of work that all the shifters do, Appreciate it don't matter, thank you. It doesn't matter how you die, it's gonna be seen as a conspiracy. So let's say if Nipsey that morning got in a car crash accident, and the person he happened to crash in happened to be some right right wing, you know what I mean, person, the, the, the connections of conspiracies would have been created regardless. Almost, you can dig into anybody's lives, find some sort of connection that seems odd. Based on this connection, put them together, and you got a conspiracy. If he was died by supernatural causes, what he? Oh yeah, I I understand that. But if if I'm him, I will say that too. I know. You know. But here's the thing: I don't want to get into conspiracies. Because if, if if the police hired him, why they didn't just kill him to cover up the evidence? What is the conspiracy? What is the point of it all? So we're not gonna go deep into that. <laughs> so you, you know what's
1: funny though? You, so what did you you experience? You were there at
0: the Marathon store? Um, the energy was amazing. The first few days, I'm not gonna lie, the energy was staticky. And just because it was uncertainty that was in the air of what to do next, what happened, it was a confusion. And, and then leaders and individuals stepped in to, to give some clarity on the confusion that this happened in divine order. This, this happened for a reason. This happened for a purpose. The narrative of black-on-black crime has been used against us to portray us as savage human beings. That the reason that other people can kill us and get away with it in justification is because we kill ourselves more than anyone else does. Black-on-black crime, there's a reality and there's a myth to it. The myth to it is that um, we are doing it in a proportion as greater than other races. And we are actively and just seeking each other out because we just, we're just savages. We are predators. The reality of it is, is that it exists because of um, proximity. It's proximity murder. In white communities, they kill each other because you know if you're a murderer, you'll kill somebody, you'll kill somebody that's close to you. You understand me? It's proximity murder. Is There's white-on-white white crime, there's Asian-on-Asian Asian crime, there's Mexican-on-Mexican Mexican crime, there's Russian-on-Russian, Russian. there's Filipino, on Fili- there's, there's, there's all of this that exists. In the gang-bang culture, there's, there's this unfortunate reality that you seek out other individuals look like that look like yourself, that you consider to be worthy adversaries. And a lot of this comes and stems from self-hate. You know, instead of seeing someone that reminds you of yourself and appreciating and loving that person, you say that this is a worthy kill. Or sometimes it's still from jealousy or envy or many different things that happened. So the reality that we are dealing with right now is the narrative is that someone from your own set killed you. Someone that's supposed to be a part of your own organization. It would have been different if they blamed it on a rival gang right or if it was the police or whoever it was but the reality of that is being said that this brother eric killed him means that this is this is a narrative of self-hate this is a narrative of like the movie us and we're tethered and we're targeting ourselves so yeah i watched it it was an interesting movie so so uh, yeah the super chat works so the reality of it is when we look at it guess what? This narrative can be used for a very positive effect because this is one of the first deaths that are major in the black community that united us. The Martin Luther King death divided us. The uh, Malcolm X death, it divided us. This one, because of the way Nipsey lived and the way he died, it, it, it made him a martyr, but it united us together because even gangs and other off of opposite they say, damn, somebody in my own gang could kill me. Is this worth it? We got to unite, bro. This ain't, this, ain't, this ain't right. We can't just keep killing each other, man. Right? You feel me? Even if I'm doing the right thing. It makes people uh, 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 of all structures look at self. Like, damn, my greatest enemy is self. Yo, it wasn't even a rival gang that killed me. It makes the conscious community look at itself like, damn, it might be another Muslim that get me. It might be another Christian that get me. It might be somebody that believe what I believe, but hate me because I'm doing good. This is a mentality that we must wipe out from within our community. So it unites us because we can see the effect that has been here for so long. But this traumatic event fired across everybody and poured us to action. And we say, damn. But you're doing something. So, you know, there's, there's a positive to it all. There. There's going to be um, a lot more Nipsey's. They, they killed one, but there's going to be a thousand more that pop up from the energy that he left. And, and we have to maintain this unity, and we have to maintain this peace, and we have to maintain power to use it as a moment to liberate each other, you know, and exalt each other to higher positions and to higher levels and higher forms of consciousness. Well,
1: see, this is why I tell you about going out. Love dudes in your crown in suits like that's who I would work on
0: say that again that's who I would
1: work on those those, those kids with the crown
0: and oh yeah, yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah behind each other those are the guys you work on like I said yesterday you have 8 tray and 6-0 but oh, so you got the OGs and then you have well, who I saw was younger they probably look like they're in their 30s but it's the it's the fucking dangerous kids who are trouble.
0: It's like those out well, yeah, those little, you know, I talked about this before, is, you know, I have a gangster's relatability. Um, and, and, and when I was out in the streets, you know, I had a lot of 6 O's, I had a lot of crips that walked up to me and was like, bro, I watch your content, I appreciate you, things of that nature. It's love, they, they, it's getting to them, you know what I mean? Like, that's what people don't understand, is that this internet thing doesn't always show the transparency of all of the work that's being done. And so when you're reaching a magnitude of people and a lot of people, you understand I me, mean, you don't always know who you're affecting and how it's affecting. But if, if, if a person can show you an audit, of list of like, look, these are all of the people that's affected by it, a person will be like, wow, that's impressive. This person changed this action because you gave them this knowledge. This person changed that action, you gave them this game. It's reaching them. Everybody wants to change right now. And what he just created was a new archetype. So there's a new paradigm rule. Is that now Nipsey Hussle is the new archetype? You understand me? Where well, it used to be Tupac. Tupac was the, archetype, but the archetype. What does that mean? An archetype is an individual type, right? Right. So like the archetype of Tupac was like the 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 rowdy, yeah, you know I mean, gangster that really did what he said, but was kind of revolutionary at the same time. Yep. So everybody kept saying that, yeah, you know I mean, I'm the Tupac of rap. He created an archetype. The Nipsey Hussle creates a different archetype because he's more well-rounded and more evolved and more matured. It was a different archetype. So this is something that you can't just talk about it. you got to be about it, right? And then you got to tap into different forms of consciousness and activism and community work and all of these different things. The new archetype, the higher archetype of the rapper has just been changed. And so it gives you a bigger aspirational goal to achieve. Where the aspiration of being the Tupac is no longer the one that rules this paradigm now. The aspiration of I'm the Nipsey Hussle of rap is different yeah. than I'm the Tupac of rap. So we have new archetypes that have been set. So if each individual in their lives try to figure out how can I be the, my, my, how can I tap into my Nipsey Hussle, how can I run my marathon, then that means that they have to stand for those same principles that he stood for, and they have to push out that agenda. And if you're not, then you can't just be... Yeah, you
1: can't just be you. What is it? Reinventing the wheel when it's already
0: there? Yeah, hey, you ain't got to reinvent the wheel. You just got to keep it rolling. And, and, and see so here's the thing about these conspiracies. People love helpless narratives. Wait, did somebody ask a question? Well, people are uh, talking about, do you find it strange about all of the questions and things of that nature? I can't... that. that I pay attention to that. No, not here, attention here, to here's the thing. I can't, There's no... I can't use a conspiracy. Yeah, there's no evidence. How how am I going to use it? How is it going to benefit me? How is it going to help our people? How and then if you find out that these things are true, what are you going to do? They're
1: going to
0: do nothing. Exactly. So it's a helpless narrative. Mm -hmm. No, that's that's funny. So I I don't I don't I don't I don't propagate helpless narratives. you know, I I grew up in this, you know, I didn't start on, like I said, I didn't start on social media, but my first time doing speeches, it was in the streets, that was never recorded, you know what I'm talking about, the times that I spoke at protests and and crowds and doing activism, it was in the streets, it was never recorded, you understand me, I grew up in the streets where you, you shied away from the camera when I was in the streets, you know what I mean, you didn't always want to be in front of the camera and be seen and things of that nature, so a lot of I don't have many pictures when I was in the streets because I didn't really want to take pictures of association. You understand me? So growing up the way I did, it was different. I never set out to become a social media influencer. I was just, it's binary. It's okay. I, I, I just, when I had 500 followers, I was talking like this. Uh-huh. You understand me? And it, it, it may get 100 views. I didn't trip. I thought 100 views was nice. <laughs> cool. We did something today. But it was just me speaking my mind. And I know from how I grew up, because I grew up in a different paradigm. I grew up seeing black men with power. And by power, I mean they had an establishment of their own military presence. They they secured their own communities. They um, had healthy bakeries before this veganism craze was there. They was having vegetarian. They had um, schools, their own private schools. Um, They had their own. Um, Health centers like all of these different things is what I grew up on so I'm not impressed by anything that happens It's supposed to happen. You know, this is the things that we're supposed to be doing I am appreciative of the people who do the work that we're supposed to be doing but impressed you have to show me something new to impress me, but I've seen it already I've seen individuals grow million dollar empires and it fumbles and falls because of ego. I've seen my father and and and, and, and been his business partner Temple get raided by the FBI. I, I've, I've I've had my case in the eyes of the the uh, the public when we was going through our case because they demonized Muslims at a time for some politics that was happening in Oakland. I've seen it all. You know what I mean? I've I've seen these different things happen. I've seen an establishment of young cocky getting power and then they mess up. They end up killing somebody or. I ain't going to say they killed nobody. They allegedly killed someone or murdered someone. Ended up getting locked up in jail, snitching on each other. A bunch of different stuff happening. I've seen many different organizations come, go, fall, fail. You understand me? And I've seen the reasons why. I've seen the good that they had. I've seen the bad that they had. That's funny. You know why I, I, I
1: figured out? That's the reason why you say kingdom
0: falls and you build a heaven. Yeah, you got to build a heaven, man. You know, heaven is forever. That, I don't want no monarchy. This is not a king's crown. This is a guy's crown. You understand me? Good and God consciousness is forever. Heaven is forever. So, you know, people believe in the heaven here on earth, and there's people that believe in the heaven after you die. So you're not talking about something that has a beginning or ending. You're talking about something that is just existence. It's just forever. So, you know, that's what these crowns represent. You know, yeah, it was called your black Muslim bakery out in Oakland, California. Um, you know, like, I grew up, the first time I... I, I ran my own business, well it wasn't my business, but I ran a business when I was like 15, 16 years old, and I ran a bakery downtown Oakland. I used to have to run the the the, the, the product, the inventory. I made the food. I did the the sales, the register, all of that different stuff. And it was when I had no real experience. They just threw me in there. It was like running this. And I was like, I right. I had to figure it out as I go. Uh, Same thing with, you know, I I worked security when I was like 16 years old. I was still in high school, but I was securing in the middle school and wearing my older brother's suit. And they didn't know I wasn't old enough to work at the time. But I had to stop the local pimps and drug dealers and gang members from coming over there trying to recruit or mess with the students in that environment because it was so dangerous out in Oakland. So the pimps used to be coming over there trying to recruit the young girls to put them on a track so that they can sell them as hoes. So that was like an early foundation of thought. When I was younger, we used to be in FOI class and I used to have to teach grown men who they were. I was one of the first person as a young man, 9, 10, 11 years old, teaching grown men like, yo, you a guy, giving them self-knowledge for the first time. You understand me? So like these things, these principles, you know, being in the streets and growing up in this environment, this is nothing new. And so when social media comes, I said, wow, I look at all of the people when I talk to them, and this information is so wild to them, and I'm like, yo, this is how we grew up, though. So you mean to tell me that if the world heard the way I think, I'm definitely sure it would have an impact. So I was hired at a time before I considered myself to be a speaker, or whatever you want to call it. Somebody said they watched me on Instagram because I was doing my business, not because I was Instagram. They wanted me to come in and teach the students because of how I was operating my business and the things that I was talking about while I was operating my business. They said, I'll pay you to come in and speak to the students. So I came in and speak to the students, but I told, they, gave me like, they gave me like a four-month notice ahead of time, so it gave me enough proper time to prepare a vision. So I told my videographer, I said, look, I want to pay you a percentage of what they're paying me. I need you to document this. This is about to be legendary. You understand me? Great
1: video, by the
0: way. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And, and that's exactly the essence that I wanted. Like it, It's so perfect because it's exactly what I wanted to come out of it. So when I started looking at the long form content, I said, let me chop this down to short form. Because I speak in quotables. So I knew that in every 60 seconds I was given another key. So out of like an hour and 20 minutes, I got like 120 different clips. <laughs> you
1: know, this is my creative side. This is what I've been teaching everybody. I'm pretty sure you already know what to do. If you want to make 60... Instagram clips. And let's just talk about Instagram. This that has nothing to do with anything else. Put a timer for one minute, mm. and then ask yourself sixty questions. Just press it, and then boom, sixty. Because then when you get to the editing, all you have to do is cut it. That's true. That's and then true. You make content. That's dope. I like that. But you, you just literally said it. You just don't didn't realize it.
0: Right. So you know, at the after the, we did that. The goal was to produce a brand that was international, that's internationally known. The 19 Keys internationally known with the intent and the ideas behind the 19 Keys representing the enlightenment to unlock the minds, the rusty locks that's within the minds. <clears throat> Thank you. He's referring to this beautiful, dope beautiful. keys that I wear around my neck all I the, the time. This, like I kiss it and everything, bro. It fire. So, um, first of all, I wish we had more time. I do have an event to go to. Um, We're gonna have to do this again. Let people know what you're doing right now. I I have an event out here in Los Angeles. We're gonna be speaking about a few different things: blockchain, cryptocurrency, community revolution. Um, And speaking about that, Nipsey Hussle put the original meaning of "crip" back into "crip." Community revolution in progress is what you see from his legacy. That was the Black Panther. Yeah. Community revolution in progress is what you see him doing don't, don't now that's gangster yeah that's gangster yeah. because if you community revolution in progress is not only what he' stands for but what happens after his death that's gangster that that's one thing that I love when I think about that and I went down there to that memorial and I stood around and I looked around and I said, this is community revolution in progress that's that's gangster so um <clears throat> I have an event. we go, I, I, you know this year we have to focus on technology um, because we don't want to get left behind in this revolution that is taking place and reacting to it like, yo, what just happened when there was warners and, and, and people trying to tell you this entire time that everything would be automated, digitized, blockchained, yeah you know I mean, encrypted, and, and, and if I can use that word. Yeah, you know I mean, So we're about to going to have an event. It's going to be a pop-up shop out here in LA. We're going to tap in. Um, you know, you can find me at 19 underscore keys on IG and 19 keys. Everything else. We got to we got to keep. No, this is 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 marketing to constantly say it. Yeah, you know I mean marketing to constantly say it. You understand me? So I appreciate everybody who's tapped in. No, I appreciate you <clears throat> this.
1: You literally just told me
0: that you don't do this with a lot of people. No, I don't. So I feel special. Yeah. And, and yet, yeah, to all the people that reached out, I did. Yeah, I don't, you know, it got to be a certain level, and I just, you know, it, it got to be the timing got to be right as well, you know. And everybody doesn't understand brand building, you know. Some people just want to make a product. I'm making a brand and a legacy. It's different. This content will be reviewed in the next 100 years to be like, damn, Keys was ahead of his time. I know it for a fact. It's going to be a full fact. They're going to have a little capsule that's going to have Keys Consciousness in there, and you can download it onto your mind top, and then people will be able to replay everything that happened, you know I mean, in real time. They're going to take this footage, and then they're going to turn it into some augmented reality VR thing, and you're going to sit right here and experience it as if you're in my body, and you're going to be able to understand everything. It's going to be dope. That's 100 years from now, though. Well, maybe less than that, but, you know, the way technology is going right now, ain't no telling. Uh, <clears throat> yeah so people shift your mind change your life you know um give the keys to somebody else so you can become the keys of someone else's life that's how we change the paradigm each one unlock one each one teach one that's how we reach everyone tap in that's 19 keys, everybody. peace peace y'all appreciate y'all for tapping in for sure